I've entitled my message this morning, The Power of Gathering Together. Uh, last night I um, had the privilege of speaking at a conference over in um, Marupna. It was about seven, uh, seven plus churches uh, of um, African heritage that had gathered together and the theme of their conference was The Power of Gathering Together. And it's a very interesting thing. So, as I said, I had the blessing of being able to, to, to talk in some way, shape, or form about that particular truth. And I kind of want to speak a bit about that in regards to what I spoke last night, but also in regards to us as a church and about the importance of us understanding what it is to gather together. Now, the Bible, uh, and, you know, we live in an age, uh, we call it the postmodern age, um, and as church, it's a challenge to know how to relate to a postmodern world, uh, remain on our message, uh, the truth of Jesus, but be able to be culturally able to adapt to the age that we live in. Because we want to be relevant, true? We want to carry a relevant message. And that is it still relevant today in what we describe as a postmodern generation together, together? Are you here today? doing something that is outdated and really is not relevant to the age that we live in. You see, we live in an age, as I said, called the postmodern age. And the postmodern age is basically based out of a thing called individualism. And it promotes individualism. For about the last 40 to 45 years, uh, the worldview, particularly in the West, has been strongly influenced by this thing we call the postmodern age, postmodernism. And so, you know, to be culturally relevant in the age that we live in, do we need to uh, adapt more and, and bring inside our Christian uh, faith this thing called individualism? Because individualism, individualism promotes self, it promotes the I and the me. So I kind of want to look at that and think about why do we gather together and what is the power behind why we gather together. And I want to use a pattern that is probably the best pattern that you can use. Am I making a little... Are you listening to me this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. I want to make a... Um, use the pattern of the early church. The Book of Acts church had tremendous power in it. It was the beginning of the age of the church as we know it. And it is a great pattern to use as a means for us to live out in this 21st century. So in Acts chapter 1, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, um, very well-known passage, verses 1 through to 2. Uh, it's about when the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2, 1 through to 2 says, When the day of Pentecost, Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, in one place. Note the words, one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Sitting, not standing. Interesting. So note the words the, that they were gathered together in one accord. Note the word one accord and also note the word one place. One place. So they weren't individually 
seated in their homes with the same consensus of seeking that the promise of the Holy Spirit would come. There was a purpose in them all being together, gathered together in this uh, mindset of one accord. You see, there was a gathering together in one place. Now, I love technology. I love the ability that now we have embraced streaming. Last night, we had the blessing of I was able to just simply, through the technology that I have, I was able to uh, Zoom our uh, conference, or the part of the conference that I was involved in, all the way across to Uganda where we had nine, uh, sorry, seven of our leadership teams and their pastors Zooming in to a message through technology on my phone, which is quite amazing. See, technology is something that we need to embrace as a church in the 21st century. We don't need to be frightened of it. We shouldn't run away from it. We should look at it as an opportunity to further the message of the gospel. Amen? And right now, there are those of you who are streaming in and watching the stream, which is a fantastic opportunity. But it does not negate the importance and it does not override the importance that each Christian should be committed to a place where they are gathering on a regular basis together with a bunch of people. Amen? I kind of want to address this individualism a little bit in regards to, uh, remember, postmodernism is about the individual. And there are a, a bunch of people, in fact, COVID caused a change in church. When COVID came, and for two years, basically, in Victoria in particular, it really did challenge the principle of gathering together in one accord. I mean, there was legislation. The governments were opposing the fact, in particular, my view, towards churches. Now, I agree that we needed to be wise, and we needed to be, you know, um, submissive to, you know, those in authority. However, I think that the hand was overstretched to some degree, which tried to negate the importance of people of faith gathering together. Now, since COVID, the church has not been able to, and I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about in general, particularly in Victoria, when we were freed up and they could meet on a regular basis, and particularly in the city of Melbourne, that there was an, a, 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 a um, consequence of people not meeting together. And what happened was, now when churches opened up again, uh, people came back, but nowhere near in the numbers that had been pre-COVID. You see, there was an effect on the influence of the culture of the world that affected about 30 to 35% of Christians who decided that they no longer needed to go to church, which is kind of interesting. Um, and in fact... You know, even now, some eight, nine months later, there is still an effect that has robbed the church of people attending. Interesting, don't you think? Now, was that the hand of God? We sung a song, you know, the word said, God, you make all things work together to good that those love you and who are called according to your purpose. Is this the hand of God that is kind of these Christians that have decided not to go to church anymore? Is that like God? Speaking to them, telling them, yeah, you don't need to go to church. Or perhaps could it be the spirit of the age 
In fact, maybe behind that spirit of the age is a prince of the power of the air who wants to pull the church apart. You with me? Quite interesting. See, the Bible says here in the book of Acts that it was important that they gathered together in one place because something happened on the day of Pentecost when these people gathered together in one accord in one place. You see, something, it says, happened in heaven. It says that as a result of people gathering together in one accord, something happened in the heavenlies. It says that in, there, in fact, came a sound that came from heaven and brought heaven down to the earth as a result of people gathering together. Think about it. It's quite amazing. It says that there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind, wind that came from heaven and then filled the place where they had gathered together in one accord. Now that was in a city called Jerusalem. Jerusalem was, in fact, a reasonably large city in its day, and there would have been other people who had encountered Jesus, who had met with Jesus, yet they were not in that place in one accord meeting together. But here's the point. Those that encountered the sound of heaven and the rushing wind of the Holy Spirit promised by Jesus we're filled with power. Interesting. Hallelujah. And you see, that same principle now exists in this 21st century, despite the influence of the world, despite the influence of the devil, is that in fact there is a principle that when people gather together in one place, in one accord, something registers in heaven. The throne room of God responds to that principle. Hallelujah. What, do we, what does the world need today? Friend, we need the presence and power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Interesting that that thing I was at last night, there were seven or eight churches or something gathered together, come from Wollongong, come from Melbourne, all gathered together in one place. And here's the thing that I spoke to them about. is this thing called one accord. You see, you know when you cook a cake? A cake is a funny old thing. I don't even know how to cook a cake. Never cooked a cake in my life. But there's something I know about cooking cakes. Besides, they taste good if they're cooked right. In fact, some of you, I wonder if you're eating too much cake, but no, no, I didn't mean that. Maybe that's why you need to go on the heart run. But see, when you make a cake, it requires ingredients. I don't even know what the ingredients are. Someone tell me three ingredients in making a cake. What is it? Butter, eggs, sugar, and flour. Let's say four ingredients. What happens if you bake the cake, but you forget to put in the flour? What was that? A runny mess. You see, to make a cake, you don't need three out of the four. You need the entire four ingredients in order for the cake to be a cake. 
And you even forget to put the flour on but take the butter out. What a boring cake. True? Butter, butter's better. Forget that margarine stuff. Anyway, sorry, bad for the heart. And it's the same with the principle of this thing called the power that can come when we gather together is not only are we meant to gather together in one place, gathering together, together, one place, is we need that third ingredient, which is this thing called one accord. It's not a Honda. Those of you who know cars, it's a joke. Come on, where's the... John knows me and John. You see, we need one accord. Now, we can come together here on a Sunday or whenever, and we can gather together in the one place, but if we don't have that final ingredient called one accord, then, friend, we are just gathering together like any other organisation, like any other thing uh, that goes on around the planet. And we will only get those kind of results. But when we have that third ingredient called one accord, then, friend, heaven will hear and something will happen. You with me? One accord. What does the word... Now, if you read through the book of Acts, let me read you another couple of scriptures. Um, I've got a whole lot of reasons why people don't want to come to church besides the worldview. You know, people can not come to church because they think they know it all. Well, I reckon that might be pride. Uh, people can not come to church because uh, of a thing called offence. Well, you know what, friend? If you are a Christian, you are not meant to leave church because of offence. You're meant to forgive. I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. I'm pretty sure Jesus said that stuff is going to happen, but you know what you've got to do? You've actually got to not leave. You've got to forgive. And that's a big key if you are in a marriage, my friends, and you want your marriage to be one that lives out the wonder of success. You need to not leave the marriage. You need to do a thing called forgive. Hallelujah. Sometimes marriages do fall apart, and it ain't your fault. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody here. And sometimes, friend, you've got to get out for the right reason. But you've still got to forgive. You with me? Hallelujah. Anyway, forget about the leaving church thing. Oh, yeah. Let's read another scripture in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, 44 through to 47 says, Now all who believed were together. Well, what? All who believed were together. Again, there's a couple of the ingredients required. You know, friend, if you are a believer, I'll say it again, you are not meant to be an individual believer. You're not meant to be someone who just lives out your faith as an individual because you have believed the lie from the pit of hell. And this tells me again that we should believe. If we believe, we should be together, gather together. Then it says a bit more. Uh, now, all who had believed were together and had all things in common. Uh, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had needed. So, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, oh my God, there's that word again, 
one accord. What? And breaking bread from the house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were saved. You see, like I said, when you get the three ingredients... Something happens that heaven responds, in fact, in such a powerful way that people will come to know Jesus through those who are gathering together in one accord. Hallelujah. Now, each one of these seats that you see that is empty is actually a potential seat for someone who Jesus wants to save through your life. Someone that you know that God wants you to shine a light to them so they will be born again. You're looking at not just empty seats, friend. We are looking at the potential to fill these seats with souls. Interesting. Hallelujah. Ah, but we're in a small town. So what? So what? We're already seeing tremendous stuff go on that shouldn't happen in a country church through our influence. But friend, we need to get our influence soaking this town. And you are the influencer who should be helping fill these seats with me. That's what Wednesday night's about. It's about creating a space. My friend at the back there, you were at the meeting last night. The gentleman over there, were you at the meeting last night? Oh, no, you're Andrew's dad. Is that Andrew's dad? Mate, you are way better looking than your son. Don't tell him that. Anyway, I digress. Note, soul saved and provision. You see, friend, when you are part of a church in one accord, there is mutual blessing. Tithing is not this law, blah, Tithing is that our hearts are so free that when we see need, we give. Hallelujah. You with me? Soul's provision comes as a result of gathering together. Acts chapter 4, now verse 23 through to 24. And I'll read 27 and 31 as well. And being let go, now, oh, you're going to know the background. So the background of this is that John and Peter had healed a guy at the gate, beautiful. And then what had happened was that um, they, because of this miracle, had been taken prisoners and put in prison overnight. And that next day they had been put before the religious men of the day. See, Christianity isn't a religion, my friend. Christianity is, is way bigger. It's a relationship with the creator of the universe. And religion hates relationship with Jesus. And so they were being persecuted by the religious people of the day. And uh, they were threatened and said, you, you can do what you like, but you just shut your mouths about speaking about Jesus. You just shut up about Jesus. And we'll leave you alone. And then what happens is they get beaten or whatever, and then they leave. And note what happens. These are the verses that happen post that experience. And being let go, they went to their 
own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, oh my God, there it's again. They raised their voice to God with one accord. Again, that ingredient that gets the attention of heaven that we so desperately need in this age that we live in. Hallelujah. One accord. And note too, under persecution, these men did not run home to themselves and hide in their closet and, you know, live their lives as individuals. No, they ran to their brethren. They ran to their companions in their faith, those who they were uh, connected to through their lives. You see, this is the danger of if you are an individual and you do not take church as this community that you should be part of. When trouble comes your way, you are by yourself, friend. Now, God won't leave you and God won't forsake you, but there is something powerful and strong that when life beats you up and you are part of a community of people, that there is a strength that you can receive. And not only that, friend, when you are part of a community of faith, that when there are those around you who get beaten up, you can bless them. You can encourage them. You can speak life to them. You can help them through their traumatic times. See, there is power when we gather together. Can I have an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we are not meant to be alone. I was talking to John the other day. John was sharing with me about how life is busy. He works shift work on and off. He has uh, responsibilities as a husband and as a dad and uh, uh, just life. And he has a neighbor. And this neighbor is an older gentleman who's probably retired, am I correct? And you know what? This neighbor just wants to poke his head over the fence and talk to John, who John has many jobs and many things he has to do. But then one day, John was so busy, I hope you don't mind me telling the story because it's too bad, too late, (laughs) is that John was busy. And then this man poked his head over the fence or whatever and wanted to talk to John because this man is lonely and John was so busy he kind of fobbed him off. And then what happened? John said that the Spirit of God convicted him. Convicted him. You see, loneliness is a curse of the age that we live in. Interesting. And then John responded and then talked to the guy for an hour. Hallelujah. You see, being a light will interrupt your day. But friend, the Spirit of God wants to use us. John, thank you for your story. If you didn't, if, um, anyway. Oh yeah, carry on with the story. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Note the common language Now, the word one accord, you need to understand what the word one accord means, and it's mentioned a number of times in the book of Acts. And what one accord actually means, what does it mean? Tell me, what does one accord mean? What was that? Like-minded? Well, who who said that? Maria, what did you say? Unity. Yeah, you're all right. 
The word actually means one mind. Imagine church today with everybody here with one mind. What? Where's individualism? How can we all be here with one mind? I mean, is it like we're all robots? Uh, uh, uh. What does it mean to have one mind? What does it mean? Now, I guarantee that during the worship, you may have been singing the name of Jesus, but I bet you that not all our minds were focused on the same thing. I'm sure Izzy was because he was the worship leader. But sometimes when you come to church, we might be part of the same uh, group of people and we might be meeting together in one place, but I wonder if we are of one mind because often what happens in church life, we are thinking about a myriad of stuff. True? Oh, man, my wife, not my wife, because I'll get into trouble for this. I'm just saying subjectively, you know, you can come to church and the wife has driven you nuts. Or the husband has been a pain in the somewhere. Or last, the week gone has been nothing but trouble or whatever. Or you just can't wait to get home and do something that you got at home, but you're at church and just got to get through it. See, that's not what one mind is. But one mind, according to the book of Acts, is an ingredient that will help us when we gather together to get the attention of heaven in such a way that God will send a sound from heaven that will cause power to enter this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the enemy hates church when it has one mind. Because you know what it says, united we stand Divided we fall. Too many churches have come undone because there ain't been one mind. Not at all. What is one mind? One mind is the ability to focus on the same thing together. One mind is the ability to carry the same vision that has, God has laid on our hearts together. One mind is when we are focusing together on the vision Jesus has given us. And on the name that is above every other name. Not the name of this church, not the name of our town, not the name of whatever, but the name that is above every other name. Jesus. Is this boring? Amen. One mind, friends. Now, we are blessed as a church. And we have achieved some pretty cool stuff because we've learned and are going through the process of one mind. And we've had a few little things that have come along that have tried to upset the one mind. But friend, we need to value the ability of common vision, of common focus. And that when we come here on Sunday, it's not about the individual, it's not about you and your week, it's not about you and what you need. It's about us together focusing on the one who deserves focus. Amen? It's funny, you know, yesterday... I had a busy week, and uh, my mind was in turmoil because I knew I had to go and speak at this thing on Sunday, uh, Saturday evening, after, late afternoon, wherever it was, and I just could not pull the thing together, and it was like a wrestle, and I got there, and um, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to pull together 
what God is trying to say to this group of people. And man, you know, I'm like, well, Jesus, I'm just going to focus on you. I don't know. But I will step up and I stood up in faith, you know, with all this, you know, spinning. But here's the point. When my mind focused on him, there was something that happened in heaven where God spoke through me. Pretty cool. You with me? Focusing on Jesus changes everything. You know that old song that says, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And grace. Grace of Jesus. Is that not something that we can agree on, friends? The beautiful grace and love of Jesus. Isn't that something together that we can focus on? Is just his beauty. And that he loves us. You, you see how we can find one mind? You know? That's why, friends, I, inspire, I encourage you that when we gather together here, let's together, you know, we're different. Of course we are. None of you are as good looking as me. I know. <laughs> Joke. It's all right. But man, if we, as a group, can get one mind, this town will be shaken at its core. And that's what I spoke to those guys together as a group of churches, seven or eight of them, that man, if they can get one mind together, they will register with the throne of God. Hallelujah. Amen? Now here's the thing. One mind will then affect what we say. Note this. You say, the Bible tells me that from the heart we speak. True? So if we have in our hearts one mind or one vision, therefore it will then affect the ability of what we all say. True? You see, when I'm focused on him, uh, it changes what I say. See, that's where churches, when the church together begins to have one mind, we don't start being critical against each other. We don't start, you know, being judging about whatever. We change how we speak, and we speak rather because of what has happened inside of us. We will speak from that, from the heart of love and grace and mercy and kindness. With me? I think this is a good message. We so easily can fall into judgment and criticism of each other. True? Oh, I'm the, sorry, that's just you, Keith. You're the scummy sinner. We're all perfectly holy and righteous. I don't think so. One mind affects what we say. Now note something here. They gathered together under persecution, Peter and John gathered with them in one accord. They have one mind, and then something happens to the speech of the early church because they begin to speak together out of that one mind. 
This is the prayer. Um, and when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. You see, their voice began to raise. There was a change that their voice began to speak an anthem or speak like the sound together. Am I a crazy preacher? I don't know. <laughs> Lord! Imagine that, we all say together, Lord! Lord, you are God! Oh, I'm shouting. Sorry, guests. You imagine if we together, not just from words, but from a common mindset, from a common heart, begin to say, Lord, something changes. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. See, it's focusing on him. Together. Verse 27. For truly against... <clears throat> truly against you... Let me have a drink. How much time we got? A little bit. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. Imagine them all saying that together, my God. Uh, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look at their threats. Friend, has the church been threatened in this nation? Has the church beginning to get threatened by the governments of the state of Victoria? Oh, your political geek, shut up. Do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants, help us hide away from this terrible tyrants that are going on. Let's all just run up to the hills and fill our uh, dig holes and caves and load it up with food so we can just endure through this difficulty. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. Now, Lord, oh, verse 30. Oh, yeah. Now, Lord, 29, look at their threats and grant your servants with all boldness that they, sp that they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Note what heaven does. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak the word with boldness. We are not meant to cower as a church under postmodern thinking and wokeism and whatever you like to call it. And we are not meant to rebel against our government, but friend, we are meant to honour a government way above that one. True? One mind affects what we say. The scripture tells me that in Proverbs 18 that there is power in the tongue to bring life or death, right? When we are in one mind and one unique, uh, in one accord, we will not be speaking death, friend. 
We will be a church that is speaking life. Hallelujah. Life. In the book of Romans, I'm going to finish with this. In the book of Romans, super interesting, because this kind of took me, made me start to go down this track a couple of days ago. In the book of Romans, Paul, in Romans chapter 8, I've been encouraging you a couple of those Thursday thoughts to read through the book of Romans chapter 8. Very great scripture. A lot of theology comes out of the book of Romans, but 8, very interesting about a whole lot of stuff. Anyway, Romans chapter 8, about halfway through, Paul changes his language. So Paul begins and he's talking about I and me and, and you. And then he changes his language and he begins to use the language we. We. Not me, not I, not individually, about we. It says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through to 39. And again, you've got to understand something about this too. In the book of Romans, Paul had not yet gone to Rome. Paul's writing a book to people he don't even know. So he's writing to a whole bunch of pe- people that he doesn't even know, but he's using the language we. What? He don't even know these people. Why is he saying we? Because, friend, you don't even need to know someone But when you embrace this aspect of we together and having the same mind, the world will change. It says this, what shall we say to these things? Now he was previously talking about persecution. And then he says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Note what he says, if we, or he says, what shall we say? How do we respond to the age that we live in? Friend, even though I don't even know you, friend, how do we together respond? What shall we say? What common voice will come out of our mouths? Well, friend, it says this, for if God be for us, who can be against us? I mean, mate, if God be for us, who can stand against us? Hallelujah. I'm finished. <laughs> I just want to inspire us. You on the stream, we love you. If you live in Yarra, why aren't you here? Gosh, Keith, you're harsh. But if you're, wherever you are, you need to understand the importance of gathering together with like-minded people. Amen? I'm going to pray. Father, amen coming from there. Father, we thank you that you look at us, yes, as individuals. Yes, you, you know the number of hairs individually. The scripture says you know the thoughts every single one of us are thinking today, that you are aware so... Uh, intricately about who each of us are individually but Lord you also want us to be a people who do gather together in one place Lord with the same mind Holy Spirit help us as a community to be a one mind help us Lord as a community to from our one mind speak 
of you together. This morning, if you have never made a call or lifted your hand to follow Jesus, then I just want to give you that opportunity to say, I want Jesus. If you're on the stream and you've never done it, if you've never done it, today is, your, is a time for you to do that. Again, I'm going to pray a prayer with us all, and I would like you to follow it with me. Lord Jesus, together we pray with one voice. You are the creator of the universe. Nothing can stand against us together. I'm sorry, when we are together. We accept and confess our sins before you. We declare you are the Lord and you are my Lord. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.